This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Wellington by Sam Wilton. Sam is a TV and film producer, and I think he's just got an award or accepted onto a program. We'll talk about that. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going, Sam? Sam and Sam, it's a good start. If I, if I start answering the questions myself, it's because I got confused <laughs> on the way. So where in Wellington are you? Uh, right now, I'm sat in an office in the centre of town. I work for a production company here. Uh, most of the time, I can be found at the top of Cuba Street uh, in a flat that looks over the city. Um, yeah, I get out to the beach as much as I can and uh, out to the Wairapa even more if I can. So, uh, yeah, out and about. How long have you been in Wellington? So I came to New Zealand to, properly in December 2018. Um got to Wellington and settled here in June, 2019, but it all, my mum is a Kiwi. So she was born in Christchurch. Uh, her family goes back a few generations in Christchurch. Um, and yeah, I, I actually lived outside of Howick for a couple of years as a kid, always wanted to come back here. Um, and kept saying, I've been out, my grandparents are out here, that sort of thing. I've been saying that I would do it, but I didn't really get the time to plan it until I had a bike accident in London and smashed out all my front, front teeth and everything. So I had a bit of time on my hands to think about what <laughs> life was about and what I wanted to do. Um, and so I, I upped sticks, left uh, London and uh, tried to see what life out here would be like. So, yeah. So some people say that their career was by accident, but it was your moving around the country by accident, but not because of the accident or maybe because of the accident. So you were here for the first lockdown where we've been asking people how their bubble life was and of course now we have to talk about which bit of a bubble life so how was mm. your bubble life at the first one the first one um i live in a shared flat so there's three other people in it and i am the eldest in that flat only by a year or so but definitely i'm like maybe the father figure of the flat <laughs> and um did did quite a lot of organizing and, and actually um, kind of took it like a challenge, you know, backs against the wall sort of thing. How are we going to make this work for us? Um, and we did loads of great stuff, you know, obviously got into the shared meals. We built a huge um, pillow fort. Um, we had regular like disco parties in the living room, uh, pizzas every Friday made by my other housemate. So, yeah, just tried to create some some structure and some events to look forward to. Um, and I think that's something we kind of, yeah, that's something I took with me into the second one as well, for sure. Did you carry on having the, the pillow forts and the disco parties? Yeah, we tried to go, we, we played grandma's footsteps the second time, lots of quizzes. Um, 
I mean, it's quite interesting for me having my parents and sister in the UK. Um, I was quite used to like digital connections and they've been in sort of different kinds of situations, COVID lockdown-y types of situations. Um, so I got really good at, uh, and it's actually really interesting because I started playing board games with them online and things like that. And so kind of thinking, how can we connect to people um, when we're limited in how we can actually see them and do things with them? So yeah, a lot of play, actually. Tons and tons of play with my housemates, with my friends who I couldn't be with, finding ways to keep that fun because it can quite quickly descend into just, what have you done today? Oh, I probably had breakfast, lunch, and dinner and gone for a walk. <laughs> and that's, there's only so many times you can say that. So um, yeah, trying to keep the fun in it was probably a big thing for me, yeah. But you didn't have to commute, or at least you only commuted from the bedroom to the sitting room. Exactly, exactly. Um, we luckily on the first one, one of our housemates just at the start of it, just when there was a little window, went to their partners. So we had a spare room. So that made it a lot easier. Um, so we had an office. Uh, yeah, that was a good move as well, I think. So were you working as well as surviving a pandemic? Definitely. In the first one, I was making a, a film about men's mental health. Um, so was very aware. Uh, yeah, super, <laughs> super tuned in to how important well-being and looking after yourself and doing doing the good mahi for your head um, is at all times, especially at that time. And it was this interesting thing that we were worried, well, not worried, we were aware that it was going to make the project more difficult to do if no one could leave their rooms. Um, but at the same time, it, it was more important than ever, right? It was, it was good work to be doing. But yeah, that's, that went out on TVNZ, uh, just actually came out again this weekend called Like a Man. So yeah, it's on, on that. You couldn't, you couldn't get out and actually do filming at that time. Was it no. organising? Exactly. So we delayed the start of it. Um, and it was the first thing we did when we could. Um, yeah. And, and there was that weird time where you didn't know quite what the different levels would mean in terms of different work. So uh, current affairs and news could actually still do some work at even the highest um, levels, but we weren't quite that. We we're on the edge of that. You know, we're reporting on a, an issue of the day, but in a documentary form. So yeah, we were kind of tentatively thinking, what can we do at level three? What can we do at level two? Um, but knowing that we had to start at a certain point to, <laughs> to get things done in time to meet the deadline. So yeah, yeah, it all worked out in the end. I think the program's okay. So uh, <laughs> yeah. have, have you resorted to filming remotely? Um. I haven't had to do, I haven't had to cut a Zoom call into a TV show yet, but um, I have made plans several times of, of how it would look and what to do if that happens. Um, I think the closest we got was Matt, who's the presenter of, um, of Like a Man. He is based in Otago, actually. He's quite near you, probably. Chateau Creek, um, up near Alexandra. And he... Yeah, we were thinking, what could he do close to home to get some of the footage done early on when we were still growing down the levels? But in the end, it just opened up just enough that we managed to fly the director down and they had a, a local crew. So only the director traveled, I think, for the first two weeks of that project and everyone else was within their region. Yeah. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have a merchant tumble down. Yeah, great. This is a happy song. Why this one? Well, yeah, when you guys said about um, thinking about positivity, this is a song I put on 
uh, when I'm, yeah, when I want to be pumped up for the day or just want a little lift. Um, just one of those songs that gets right to your bones and makes you feel good for me.
makes you feel good, but it's a very long song, so we shall just quieten it down and talk over it. Sam, I said it in the intro that you've just got a, what's it called, the World Congress of Science and Factual Producers? That, that is true, Sam, yeah, a, a, Sam wants to have that is true. Every, a, what's it, Emerging Producers Programme, what does that mean? Uh, basically, the World Congress for Science and Factual uh, Producers. I don't know too much about it yet because I haven't been there, but it's basically the biggest conference for um, exactly what it says. People who work in filmmaking or television, mainly on subjects that are around science, um, educational kind of stuff. And the emerging producers are anyone who is doing work around that. Um, but who hasn't been to the Congress before. So it's a simple bursary that, that allows you to go for free and gives you a bit of support. But a really interesting mix of people. There's a guy from uh, Yemen on it. There is a music journalist from Chicago. Um, I've only just met them once, but yeah, a real mix. And then amazing people doing yeah, work in India and Pakistan and all around the world. And that's probably the coolest bit I've seen so far is just the global reach of this thing. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to just stay connected with the rest of the world, which can sometimes be a little bit hard over here, and uh, try and be a little bit inspired by the amazing work that our yeah, scientists and stuff around the world do. So, yeah. So what got you into science mm. and factual producing? Mm. Um, oh, well, so I studied archaeology and anthropology um, at university, and I've always been fascinated in people, the ways they live, trying to create communication between people and, and understanding. Um, and yeah, so I kind of was interested in storytelling as a, as a tool for doing that. I just worked hard, felt really hard to get into the industry initially, but my first ever job as a researcher was an open brief, three months to find the coolest, I'm allowed to swear, I'll say the coolest stuff the coolest stuff uh, around neuroscience work happening in the world today. Um, so I just basically looked at brain science journals and, and that sort of thing and, and found anything cool that was happening, like people controlling robots with their minds, um, people attempting to uh, use uh, sort of external stimulation caps to, to affect uh, or to help outcomes with autistic patients. Yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. And just think which bits of that would be communicable to the public in a fun way and so yeah that's probably my my first thing was a very sciencey thing and from there i've done uh, culture society social issues food insects which is how i met tahu and um yeah anything else anyone else wants to be made i guess these days is kind of what i do and so what does the what does the producer do producer ah. Oh. I mean, I want to say they do absolutely everything, but that's maybe a bit. Uh, that's what <laughs> Other it feels people like might sometimes. disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the producer brings together all the parts necessary so that from the day the camera arrives on to meet someone or to, to cover the subject, uh, they can tell the stories they need to tell. So every film is so different what that looks like, whether it's organizing with a presenter, whether it's sort of writing a script. Um, and they oversee the bit once filming starts, but really their bit where they are quite uniquely alone or they're putting the team together and facilitating everything so that when we start telling the story, everyone is ready to do that to the best of their capacity. But there's all sorts in factual um, filmmaking, which I mainly do. You're also a journalist. 
you're finding the people who we eventually film with, you are um, becoming a mini expert on whatever subject you happen to be talking about. I'm a great dinner party guest because I know a little bit about a lot of things. And the interesting um, bits. Hopefully. I mean, that's my job is to find the interesting <laughs> bits. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't be a good... I, I might be, If I'm a very boring dinner guest, I'm probably a very bad TV producer. So hopefully, hopefully I'm good at both. But who knows? Yeah. That sounds like an interesting mix of imagination and creativity but also details and project management yeah i mean we have people depending on the scale of the project you have people to support you on it but one of the things that appealed to me was i actually probably wanted to be an artist right and in a lot of ways when i was a kid i probably wanted to be an artist but um i also had pretty good propensity for uh let's say handling big amounts of data and complex ideas and academic reading and stuff like that and and kind of synthesizing more like um communication type stuff quite pragmatic planning quite organized kind of mind and so sitting on that interface between highly organized and a bit creative suited me and and so far i seem to have uh, done all right getting opportunities to to use those skills so other people hopefully think i'm all right at it do you think that the pandemic has changed the stories we're interested in? I mean, not maybe not just about the pandemic itself, but has it changed other stuff? I've got no doubt it has. Um, I think. I mean, it's completely changed how we watch television. Um, it's been like amazing to see the the arrival of like the blockbuster TV series at a different level than, than I've ever seen before. I think we talk about TV series like we used to talk about films. I think film has really changed. Um, cinemas, obviously a casualty of, of, um, of lockdown. And the stories that we like, I mean, for me, it's been about comfort and escapism. Um, and I, I've always loved those qualities. It's something that I've, that I've enjoyed more now. Um, but yeah, when I'm thinking about telling stories and connecting with people, um, I think it's been great being able to get face-to-face -face with people via Zoom a lot quicker. I used to spend a lot of time on the phone and now I get to see people because much more people are, many more people are comfortable uh, chatting on Zoom straight away. So yeah, little things have changed. I think we sort of are slightly more used to being in our own home and talking to people, but also really, really good at connecting with people uh, across Zoom and things like that and, and building connections in different ways which yeah it's interesting we're addicted in our house to watching things like um, Taskmaster and um, Mock the Week oh, yeah. and just the little thing of people sitting next to each other when you watch an old one seems really weird mm, mm -hmm. yeah I mean my British friends uh, or friends still in Britain uh, definitely had a phase where they were really struggling to watch TV programs from the past where people were like in busy cafes and stuff. Um, for me, I've always, uh, I noticed my housemate, for example, different people connect with films in different ways, right? And for me, it's like I suspend disbelief enough to enjoy it, but I kind of know enough of the workings that if a film's really sad, I come out at the end of it being like, that was an amazing film. They really evoked some emotion. Whereas my housemate, she's like sad for a couple of days and i think it's the same with this with the with the cafe scenes and stuff 
I love seeing busy cafe scenes on TV when we're in lockdown. It's like um, vivacious. It's like me seeing life and it, it's, it's fantastical and it's like an experience and I'm immersed in it. Um, but for other people, it can be like a bit jarring because that's not their life now. I can, yeah. TV is an imaginary world that I love that we create. And, um, and yet spending time in it when we can't do other things is, for me, pleasurable. But for other people, a little bit stressful. So, yeah. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about making, you, you were talking about before, about a, a film about mental health. What's it called? Like a Man. Mm. Mental health could go down quite a deep place, dark place. But I imagine if it's so dark that no one's going to watch it. Yeah. How do you maintain that positive mindset when the story can be quite challenging? You have to. I mean, you just have to. It's... Um... It's it's weirdly the the secret and the answer is that um, you have to not be scared of it. You have to normalize it. You have to think like everyone everyone wants the best for everyone else, really, at the deep down. And 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 lots of the messages you're spreading in that kind of program are yes, you flag a little bit the dangers, but really the focus of the program is like how can we help. How can we improve this? What are the things we can do? You should never make a program that makes people feel hopeless um, of what they can't do. You should always take as far as you can um, showing what you can do and solutions. So yeah, a lot of it was just talking about trying to talk more and um, that these things are super common and that yes, they can be terrible, but you know, a good thing to do is talk about stuff when it's not actually to, to just to just catch up with your mates and uh, check in and think about what things are good for you and prioritize them um yeah so trying to focus on mental well-being rather than mental health even as a concept so the fact that um it's a whole spectrum sometimes we're doing great sometimes we're doing not so great and it's important to think of both of those things as part of ourselves, not just trying to fix ourselves when we're not doing well. Obviously, sometimes that's all we've got because we haven't. That's where we're at. But um, but yeah, just seeing is it more. It's all part of us. All these experiences and these feelings are all part of us. And working on the whole and making our our lives as good as possible and communicating throughout at the good and the bad, and help looking out for our mates in the good and the bad and, and everything else. Yeah, giving people a sense that there is something you can do about this stuff. In fact, there's so much. The amazing thing about making this in New Zealand, the sheer number of people who want to do something about it and are helping and are doing stuff is inspiring. And so hopefully seeing a program like that, you just see, if nothing else, the sheer volume of places and people who can help you with that stuff, even though sometimes it feels like uh, you don't know where to turn. So, yeah, that's it. There is There's options. There's hope. It's it's a bright. It can only get better, sort of thing, you know. And and sometimes do you have to dig hard for those good stories, or are they are they easy to find? I mean, if you pick a subject worth talking about, you'll find people to talk about it. Um, if the audience is really interested in something, normally people will want to communicate it. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the hardest stories I've told. Um, Oh, here's a great example. I worked on a program uh, called Grayson Perry's Rites of, Rites of Passage in the UK. And we looked at a guy. We want, 
we wanted to talk about death, probably the saddest, one of the ostensibly saddest subjects you could pick. And the subject we talked about was really sad. It was um, a guy who knew he was going to pass away. He had a terminal condition. But it was one of the most joyous bits of filmmaking I've ever done at the same time. I was just an assistant producer or a researcher on that. Um, he was talking about how he wanted to say farewell and recognize the important people in his life. So he kind of did a living funeral. And it was amazing. He rode in on his um, motorized wheelchair to his favorite song, which is like a rock and roll song in this beautiful church. His, his, his family was standing up and, you know, clapping. And, and yeah, there was tears. But they all wrote some of their favorite memories. Um, but yeah, even finding that person you would think is pretty hard. And it is hard. But again, if that's a subject that's of interest to us, that's because it's super important to this guy. Um, his name is Roke. And so for Roke, he just had to think about why, I often ask this of, of the people we work with, is why, why do you want to do this? You know, everyone has to have a reason um, to be on TV. You should, if you don't know why you're doing it, you shouldn't be there. But there's so many reasons to want to share your message. Um, and if it's an important subject that other people are thinking about, then the opportunity to voice your experience and to share some awareness on a subject uh, is normally the thing that gets people across the line to, to wanting to do it and also being great contributors. Um, I want the people I'm working with to get, get something out of it, to get as much out of it as the audience does, hopefully more in some ways. Yeah. Talking of great contributors, let's have Tapu McKenzie. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu McKenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou, kotahuaho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's perfect, unique and making better. Now I know for us all, we've been experiencing a very difficult time and for all of us, there are different ways that we are dealing with this. For me, I'm so grateful to have my work at my beloved heart's home, Orokun Ikosing. And in the future, I hope other new ways will emerge in my life and I'm looking forward to these. Today finds me emceeing the very exciting Otago Daily Times grand final quiz, which is filled with wonderful, wonderful students from all around Otago who have been competing this year in a spelling competition and a general knowledge quiz. And these are all the champions from those quizzes who have made their way here. And it's a great honour, of course, to work with them and to celebrate their achievements. I feel so lucky to get to work with them. I feel so lucky to get to work with people. And so of course I just see more and more how as a species we are so amazing. We are so inspiring. We are so creative. We are so nurturing. And of course as a species we have created all these constructs and structures in the human world that enable us to come together even in a global pandemic and celebrate the knowledge and the understanding and the appreciation that we have for our world. So I really hope that for you, 
you're having a day which is enabling you to see the skills that you have to share that you're constantly contributing in so many unique ways to our beautiful world i really hope that today you see ways in which your presence and your light illuminates the space around you so people can see more clearly what is possible who they are and what they can do i've been really enjoying of course the performance aspect of this mc work and to make people laugh and to make people see the funny side of all these things in our lives that surround us that we can always find a, a new way to see them and our consciousness allows this for us we can always enshrine any aspect of the world with our mind and of course hold any aspect of our world lovingly in our heart i've been particularly impressed with the confidence and the joy that these young people are showing and sharing their knowledge and the knowledge that they've learned and this gives me great confidence and great hope for the future that these young leaders are here already and of course this is something else i love about orokunui and i've had the opportunity today to talk with them about orokunui which has been wonderful many of them have visited over the years and i recognize them and remember them but of course being able to talk with them about it in quite a different context is a wonderful opportunity as well sharing my favorite part of the orokunui vision that we have a 1000 year plan and that we are 17 years in but we have 983 years left to go and of course they are part of them and their children and their, and whether or not they directly reproduce all life is connected to one another in an infinite and i'm so grateful for it to co-evolve alongside all the beautiful life that surrounds me so i really hope that for you today you can enjoy the benefits of our consciousness our ability to seek out and retain information and share it in our own unique ways and I'll look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to A Blowing Bubbles we're talking with Sam Wilton. And Sam we've seen lots of changes in society over the the last year, two years. Mm. What do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um I like people having to think about what's important to them. Um prioritizing what they want their work life balance to look like what they want their connections to people who they haven't been able to be as connected as they would like to look like um i think that yeah that introspective assessment of what we want our lives to be and having a breather to think about that um yeah hopefully leads to some really interesting and 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 productive choices people make in the future i think that'll be long lasting I mean I said I think at the start of this that uh my life changed quite a bit when I had a bike accident. Um it also changed when my 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 father had a mental health uh, issue that I supported him on and that kind of those things though each of those times made me reflect about what was important to me and definitely have, have shaped who I am today and I think for the better. And and, and covid's the same. Sudden things that stop you in your tracks uh could be hard at the time but that I guess they put perspective, right? And that perspective carried forward. Um it's probably the thing that I hope um shapes people. I mean for a personal level I hope people work less and enjoy life more and live in the places they want to live and spend time with the people they love. That's that's what I decided. So uh everyone has to make their own decisions, but 
as a real basic set of things that I think might be good to do. That's the starting point. You've been in New Zealand for coming up three years. You probably would have gone home by now if it hadn't been for, for COVID. Is it, is it mm. itching? Um, I, I mean, I'd like to go see my family back home. Uh, I kind of don't have plans to leave. Also, just uh, a lot of my family is here. So my mum being Kiwi, my uncle, my cousins, my grandparents were here. Both of them passed away in the last, in, in that three-year spell since I've been here, which again, like, sounds like it could be a hard thing to handle. But at the same time, I'm just so grateful that I came here during that time and spent those really important years with them, um, spent some time with them. Um, so yeah, I am absolutely, I can't wait to go home and see my friends and family. Um, I think you've tried to do it in the summer. Um, but at the same time, I know they'll be there. Like uh, I catch up with them. I have a really strong bond to probably 10 people who I speak to weekly um, in the UK um, or maybe every couple of weeks. And I can't wait to see them face to face. But yeah, we still have a great connection on the phones. And uh, yeah, I'll go over there for a, a month or a couple of months and then come back here and continue surfing and uh, walking up hills and uh, spotting different um, fauna and flora and uh, yeah, enjoying, enjoying life out here as well. There's lots of important people uh, out here for me too. So, Are you able to tell us what project you're working on now? I can tell you broadly what it is. Um, we have been making a series of shows about insects and spiders um around the world and and in new zealand and we are yeah looking to make another one with the amazing morgan marion who's an entomologist uh, in auckland um yeah about some of the coolest insects in aotearoa um and it's gonna be a beautiful series going hopefully across the country fingers crossed um and looking at some of the weirdest wildest but also most inspiring uh tiny creatures that, that share this uh share this land with us and um yeah that's probably the big thing is that insects are this amazing place for people to engage with science and natural history because they're absolutely everywhere they are on your doorstep and they're just they're just really interesting and diverse in the things they do and especially for kids they can interact with them quite easily um you know, probably everyone remembers like catching their first grasshopper or something like that which you know definitely look after the grasshopper don't don't, don't squish it or anything like that but um then when you think about it more and more and you look at grasshoppers and you learn that they've got ears on their legs i think that's true i might have just made that up but i think that's true um they're just magic they are like pokemon or fantastical creatures that live right next to us so yeah we hear, quite, we hear quite a lot about the charismatic megafauna yeah and some people describe, you know, the, the little stuff as the uncharismatic megafauna, uncharismatic little fauna. No, something like that. But do you how, how do you, do you tell the story of them being, I don't want to say cute, but how, how, do you, how do you position them? Yeah, I mean, I think I think of them as like more sci-fi and more fantasy than our, than our megafauna. Um, Add to the fact that, like, yeah, I mean, I love Takahes and I love um, Kiwis, but I've only ever seen them in captivity. Um, whereas I, I can bet there are insects that are interesting that live in your house. You might have a mason wasp, for example, 
And the mason wasp is an introduced species, um, so not great in that way, but it does do something very interesting. It catches, um, catches spiders, paralyzes them, keeps them in its nest so its young can eat them, um, and paralyzes them so they stay alive and fresh, so their young can continually have fresh meals of a living spider that is paralyzed in its nest. So yeah, those kind of stories um, remind me of, you know, Alien and um, some of the great sci-fi films and things like that. And to think that the wildest things we can imagine, a, a lot of them are already happening in nature if we just look close enough. Um, our wildest fantasies and our wildest imaginations in, uh, in, in film, uh, yeah, I'm constantly amazed when I find an insect that does something even more mad. And, and I think that's a really engaging um, wait, and something that's different from megafauna, there's just more insects in the world. There's more, they're doing more things. So the variety and the wildness and the intrigue available, if you look at them, is, is ginormous. Yeah. It might be a long bow, perhaps, but do you see a relationship between that kind of factual programming and developing people's capabilities and awareness of, you know, that critical awareness of, of fake news and being able to discern what's real, what's what's factual? Um, I mean, I definitely think teaching people how to, or, or I don't teach people anything, but I <laughs> show them material that is hopefully interesting and engaging um, and tends to be based around science um or cultural thinking yeah maybe it makes them have a lens on the world that is very empathetic and interested and curious um and hopefully that shapes how they engage with all information out there in the world i mean i'm not sure i know enough about what leads people to um to different types of news sources uh, to suggest like i could really change that but um yeah, I, th I think a generous spirit and a curiosity uh, are good things to have that hopefully help us at least navigate the conversations um, that we have once we've gained information from whatever source we're looking for. Uh, yeah, I think a, a lot of my work is about um, teaching people, or teach again, not teaching people, <laughs> but thinking about looking at the world with an unjudgmental lens. As a filmmaker, you have to do that. You just have to go in interested so even when i've been making films about um, people who have different views from me we made a film about brexit where we talked to people on both sides um and as a filmmaker and then hopefully this passes on to the audience you have to be so ready to have a conversation um with both people and approach it with a level of interest and intrigue and understanding and if something is different from how you feel and even if you think it's wrong um you just got to step to another level of like, okay, well, why, why does that person have this view if I don't? And I think that is a really crucial skill to a documentary filmmaker. Um, and I think a lot of films, ultimately, their aim is to try and create some level of understanding, even if it's understanding how an idea is more menacing than it seems, um, or potentially understanding that this person comes from a good place and they actually share a lot in common with you. Um, it's just they've taken a slightly different route to a different answer. Whichever way, that idea of creating understanding, generosity of spirit, curiosity when engaging with subjects, 
yeah, I guess that's that's something that I hope to put into my work. Yeah. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have a Diana Ross. It's my house. Why this one? Um, because it is my house and I love dancing around it with my housemates. So, uh, yeah, makes me feel good. Yeah. 
Tam, from a communication perspective, why do you think the be kind message has resonated so well? Uh, I mean, I guess when I'm thinking of uh, communicating to an audience, and again, I don't necessarily know the answer to this, it's a good question, but um, you're often thinking about what are they already thinking about? You know, I think people probably generally want to be kind, want to be seen as kind. Um, it often doesn't feel that way when we're looking at the world from our little castle. Um, but you think of the people that you care about in your network, and those are also all the other people in New Zealand, because we know we're only two degrees of separation. So if the people you care about are kind, and you think that the people they care about are probably kind, and you keep extending like that, then it's probably something that's already in all of us and something we want to project. And so, yeah, tapping into ideas like that is always a good way to, to achieve change, I suppose. Bringing out the best in what we already have. And you feel it is a kind place, Sam. <laughs> Indeed it is. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we shall have to rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, the biggest success I've had is surfing at White Rock with just one other person on a perfect day. Actually, don't put that one on the radio. That's a secret spot. <laughs> <laughs> too late. It's too late. You've done that now. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's uh-huh. your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Oh, what's the title of the book again? Tomorrow's Heroes. Tomorrow's Heroes. Uh, my superpower is actually doing something that I'm not doing right now, which is that normally I'm listening. I'm doing a lot of listening um, to what people are saying and trying to understand uh, the motivations of them and communicate that to other people. That's my superpower, I think. Sounds good to me. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? uh yes uh my dad my dad often has a go at me he says you know your generation he goes i used to go to protests all the time and um and try to change the world uh and you guys don't do anything and i pointed out that i work in films about uh trying to talk about social issues and my sister works for greenpeace whereas he worked in advertising so (laughs) um yeah i'd like to think i'm some sort of activist of some sort yeah you're still selling stuff, just different sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully nice ideas is what I'm selling. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I think other people. I think so often I am not telling my own story. I'm telling, I'm, I'm helping or shaping our communication of someone else's story. Um, every time I hear someone else's story, there's always some part of it that is truthful or resonates with you, even if it seems so different. And so, yeah, constantly hearing people who have things that they want to share with the world um, and that there are lessons or learnings from, that's, yeah, that's what keeps me going. I think in friendships and work and romance and housemates, there's a truth in that, that kind of idea that when you listen to people and you learn things about yourselves and hear how important things are to them. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, a big thing for me. 
So what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? I want to try and figure out or push harder for the rest of the world to listen to New Zealand stories, uh, stories from Aotearoa in in a broad-minded way and not just go for the few little things we're known for. Yeah, that's probably a challenge that I'm trying to face. Sounds fun. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, make a list of the things you love and try and do as many of them as you can this week. That's good advice. I'm going for a swim. Yeah, get to the ocean is the best piece of advice I can give. I agree entirely. Sam, it's been a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Sam. in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We have a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Loudon Wainwright III's swimming song. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I've been joined from Wellington by Sam Wilton. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.